0: In the maelstrom of madness that was the Bernabeu on Wednesday night, Real Madrid smashed the Champions League dreams of Manchester City into a million tiny pieces. Those pieces were then picked up and put in the same bin as the one with the pieces marked Chelsea and the pieces marked Paris Saint-Germain. Last season it was Chelsea who were covering themselves in Champions League glory but it's not even certain they'll qualify for the competition ahead of next season. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. So we know that Chelsea's League Cup conquerors Liverpool will face their Champions League conquerors Real Madrid in a match to decide who takes Chelsea's mantle of European champions. Betting expert Mark O'Hare is once again in our starting lineup. Mark, first of all, what are your thoughts on Wednesday's utter chaos in Spain? Real Madrid needed two goals going into the 90th minute at the Bernabeu against Manchester City and they got them and then won the tie in extra time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it it's hard to explain um how do you explain what we saw it it's 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 difficult, really. I mean, it's incredibly rare to see a team score two goals in 90 seconds of football at any time, anywhere, at any level, really. But to do it when trailing in stoppage time of a Champions League semi-final second leg, um, it's madness, really. Um, but I guess it's just something inexplainable about the DNA of Real Madrid and the belief and, and the surge of momentum that occurs when they get themselves into a position and, and compare it with Man City. For example, but in theory, the, the game should have been done and dusted. Um, the tie should have been over. We should have been over in the first leg. Even in the second leg, Courtois pulls off a, a couple of monumental saves, really, to keep Real Madrid in it, and, and they keep clawing their way back off the canvas. It's astonishing. I, I don't know how they keep doing it. Um, but they, they're in the Champions League final. Uh, I wrote them off after the PSG uh, second leg and said that team will, will not win the Champions League this year. Absolutely no chance. But they're there and and um, I'd like to say they deserve to be, but I'm not sure they do in all honesty. So um, I, I think um, just, just to put a sour note on it really, but I, I thought the, the last two nights of Champions League football has been extraordinary some of the greatest sporting theatre uh, across any sort of competition really but I mean I, I think I prefer the quarterfinal two-legged ties in the semi-finals more than the final actually in the Champions League it's, it's so brilliant every year but you know just a reminder that UEFA trying to scrap these two-legged semi-final ties by 22, uh 2024 really so you know these kind of occasions might be might be dying out soon which is a, a travesty really because some of the best drama we've seen in football is, has come at these stages in, in recent years so Bit of a shame, but uh, yeah, I I just can't explain what I saw, to be honest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But absolutely brilliant as a neutral, just, just wonderful football, wonderful occasions and wonderful drama.
0: And after Mark wrote them off, I heard that Carlo Ancelotti put a massive picture of him and his words on the dressing room wall. And that seems to have done a great job, uh, just as Jason Cundy's words uh, inspired Villarreal. Uh, Odds compiler and betting expert Mark Stinchcombe, a man in a rich vein of tipping form, is back with us. Stinch, you upgraded Karim Benzema FC to Batman and Robin FC. Do we now have to stick Rodrigo in there and make them the Three Musketeers FC?
2: I was going to say Rodrigo is the joker in the pack. <laughs> He's the wild card, right? Came off yeah, the Manchester
0: bench. City weren't laughing I don't think on Wednesday no. night.
2: i to be fair like I'm quite shocked really that they allowed the, the the header really and and also give away the penalty. Heard so much since he arrived in England that Ruben Diaz is this fantastic defender. Very very poor decision making uh, in in engaging with Benzema when he's going away from goal everybody knows anybody that plays football anybody that watches football knows that Benzema just wants to get a touch there he's got no interest in trying to shoot he just wants to get a touch on the ball first and then wait to be clipped just brain dead really um but it's the beauty of football really I don't really think you, we can try and uh, quantify what happened la- uh, on Wednesday night just enjoy the fact that that's why we all watch football because of these fantastic moments I mean Man City were leading the tie for what all but less than 10 minutes in total across the two legs so to concede them two goals is just crazy but that's that's what happens with football because it's a low scoring game goals have a huge huge impact on what, on what happens um, I, th- I think it's just really refreshing you know because everything we've seen from man city since i don't know maybe the last three or four seasons are there they're just absolute this winning machine they're just they they control games um you know they don't they don't uh fluster in these moments of, of uncertainty but last night they did and yeah this this uh almost ramaged fairy tale really because they're underdogs against psg underdogs Slight underdogs against Chelsea, but I think arguably Chelsea should have been firmer favourites. And obviously big underdogs against City, yet they've somehow managed to find their way through to the final on the back of a, a La Liga
0: success as well. So all credit to Madrid, really. Punting professor and trader extraordinaire Jason Murphy's back after an absence that was far too long. Jason, on the Liverpool side of things... this this week's progression to the Champions League final and presumably City going out has boosted their hopes of what would be an amazing quadruple. What do you make of that situation? What do the numbers say about that? And is that the kind of bet punters should be looking at anyway?
3: Yeah, what Liverpool are doing this season is incredible. Um, You can take it at three stages, kind of start of season, middle season, end of season. Um, Where we're at at the moment... Roughly, you'll get about 7.1 to back on the exchange for them to win all remaining trophies this season, essentially complete the quadruple. But if you take it back to the start of the season where Liverpool were at and you took the average bookmaker prices for them to win all four competitions, it was coming in at 3,670 to one shot. Like That's less than 0.02%. Um, and those There's were bookmakers. That's back makers. to and a
0: half, isn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the bookmakers, those were marginated prices. So in reality, like this was closer to, to 10,000 to one. And if they do it, it's a bigger achievement than Leicester's winning the Premier League. It's it's unbelievable. And when bookmakers price up these multi-trophy markets at the start of the season, it's always, rather than allowing relatable actors to be made, it's always a multi-trophy market. Because the reason being, it's something that bookmakers do, to protect themselves, because if we get a team rated wrong and therefore we price them too big in each of the competitions that they're in, and that's what's had to happen with Liverpool at the start of the season, to allow those like three and a half thousand to one bets are too big. So most bookmakers would cap it at 500 to one to 1,000 to one for them to do the quad at the start of the season. And everyone was wrong. Like BBC Sport, that had 20 of their football correspondents, you know, ex pros do their predictions. Only three out of 20 had Liverpool finishing in the top two in the league. Most bookmakers had Chelsea, a shorter price for the FA Cup and the League Cup than Liverpool and the Premier League as well. The reason being, Klopp would not target the Cups. He tends to rotate a bit in them, but Liverpool have gotten a squad now at this stage that when they rotate, it's an unbelievable B team. It's better than most people's A team. So where they've come from at the start of the season was just that people had them rated wrong, they made a dash to get top four last season. People were, you know, giving a lot of love to Chelsea, and rightly so, and just priced Liverpool a little bit wrong. But when you consider how the ratings have moved throughout the season, um, those those prices at the start of the season were just wrong, and our opinions were just wrong on Liverpool. We'll give credit to, because um, as traders, we always get as many opinions at the start of the season. One trader on our team, Member O'Keefe, was... Uh, Actually, on the opposite side, he was very quite adamant that Liverpool were better at Chelsea heading into the start of the season and that has definitely called that one right.
0: Yeah, and he's been getting a fair bit right on the pod as well. Let's talk about Chelsea then, Mark, because last season it was Chelsea who were lifting that massive Champions League trophy, but they've fallen under the wheels of that Real Madrid juggernaut. They're only five points ahead of fifth place Spurs with four games left. Chelsea one point three eight to beat a Wolves side who've pretty much gone off the rails in the last few games. I, I was one of the guys that Jason's talking about. I was very bullish about Chelsea pre-season. I thought Lukaku would would work. I thought that signing would work because he'd done so well in Italy, and I still think he's a he's a top striker. What's gone wrong? Um,
1: good question. Really, um, difficult to to know for sure. But I don't think it's as bleak as. Um, some people are sort of making out in all honesty. I think last weekend against Everton, yes, you lose the match, but Jordan Pickford's the man of the match in that game and, and Chelsea could easily have drawn that match or, or possibly more. And, and then are we having this conversation? I, I don't know. Um, I didn't think they were they were bad. Their away performances away from Stanford Bridge have been better throughout the season. So I guess that's telling. But, you know, it's not long ago, they absolutely dominated Real Madrid in Madrid. Um uh, one of the best away performances in the Champions League at that stage by an English team that I can remember in, in recent memory. I thought they were absolutely superb that night and very unfortunate to go out. So they clearly have a standard which they can reach. Um, I guess motivation becomes a factor towards the end of the campaign. Uh, they may have thought that the, the top four has already sewn up and you know they're just playing out time now until the FA Cup final. But um, it's hard not to mention the takeover or the issues behind the scenes as well, which maybe creeping into players' minds. Um, we know the Rudiger contract situation and his future has been very well publicised. I actually think he's probably been one of the better performing defenders, though, in recent weeks, despite that. And Christensen's looked a shadow of himself. as Lacuette has made um, costly errors. Mendy as well. Um, so... Yeah, whether that's had a, a bearing on things, we'll, we'll never know, really, because those players are never going to speak up and say so. But um, Kovacic's injuries, I don't think have helped either in midfield. You mentioned the Lukaku situation. Um, it's it's quite depressing, really, just seeing him sat in the stands looking completely forlorn and lost, really. And, you know, a player who's matured so much over the past couple of years to to now be on the complete periphery and a kind of... Um, just just on the outsets, because none of the Chelsea forwards are actually performing consistently right now either. So Tuchel's looked increasingly frustrated. Um, yeah, they are in a, a, a slight danger now of losing out in the top four as well. Um, but I think they're fortunate in the fact that the, the two teams chasing them have to play each other. So one of them is going to drop points next week. Um, and I think Chelsea's running is, is reasonable enough on paper. But... Um, but at the same point, I would not rule them out turning up and putting on a performance at Wembley against Liverpool because they absolutely are capable of it, and they still have a collection of world-class players. So, um, I'm just putting it down to sort of end-of-season complacency, motivational issues, and potentially something takeover-wise. But uh, I haven't. I think there's a lot, a, a few more teams in the Premier League have probably got a lot more to worry about than Chelsea.
0: Yeah, Jason, what do you make of this? Chelsea so it's not even a collapse is it but if you look at the standards that they did set under Thomas Tuchel since he got there in the second half of the season that was always a high bar to then reach again wasn't it?
3: Yeah it's a very good comparison so like when Tuchel took over in January like defensively Chelsea had been superb and both Chelsea and Liverpool have played 53 league games since he took over and they've conceded the exact amount 42 goals in 53 games that's title winning defences but as you alluded to, like, you know, the strikers just aren't firing and that's shown in the numbers as well. Over the same period, Chelsea are only averaging two goals scored per league game, whereas Man City or Liverpool are half a goal better than that. And that's where they've fallen off in the league. they just haven't scored enough. They haven't clicked defensively to reach that unbelievable high bar that Liverpool and Man City are setting. So they're not as good as two of the best teams to ever play the game but they're much better than what's chasing them, uh, particularly for that top four place. I still believe that they'll get it. Like as Mark alluded to, they have a nice run in Arsenal, Tottenham still have to play each other. Chelsea as well, motivation factor goes in their favor because they've two games at home against Leicester and Watford, who potentially, you know, will have nothing to think about there. Leicester, maybe one eye on a European Cup final themselves. Um, So in terms of the league, like they've done what they've done. They probably could have got a few more points if they've scored a few more goals. And then, in terms of the cup competitions, I mean, the loss, a toss up against Liverpool in the League Cup final. They're uh, in the FA Cup final. And like the Champions League, that <laughs> Real Madrid, like they were arguably the better team over the two ties, but mistake from Mendy, two wonder header goals from Benzema. And then Luka Modric, well, not only because of the skill of the pass, but the time of the pass and the significance of the pass for that assist in the second leg means that we're now really looking at Chelsea with a negative lens here when, yeah, in all honesty, there were just a couple of moments away from talking about winning a couple of trophies themselves. So I think given the run-in, given the quality of player that, that they have, I don't think I cannot see them not making top four. And they've been unlucky with injuries as well. I think offensively, Rhys James and Ben Chilwell have fed into that that little drop-off in offensive goal scored average as well. So yeah takeover has to be sorted and once we know more on that that's when we can start rating them for next season but in terms of the remainder of this season and what they've done i like you know they've, they've performed pretty well but just not as good as as two really really good teams
0: yeah stinch that's the key isn't it jason's alluded to it there the, the takeover is is an impossible thing to quantify in terms of the uncertainty because i think we thought for a while that you know would go through and everything would be okay but it Roman Abramovich seems to have shifted what he wants out of that particular sale and so the uncertainty is now spiked in that regard and I know these players are all very well paid and you know their futures you would think are largely secure by normal standards but it's going to distract you isn't it? Yeah I, I mean
2: I'm not even a, a Chelsea fan but I feel kind of concerned about their Short-term future, let alone long-term future. When you when you hear some of the stuff coming out from um, you know government ministers and things like that to say that you know they're on borrowed time or you know the sale has to be completed within days rather than weeks and it seems like that's a million miles away. Um, so I'd say yeah, very concerning. And yeah, I don't really know the the be all and end alls of what happens to to players' contracts. I imagine they would just you know um, be nullified and players would then be free to go and choose their their own uh, next moves. But there's probably some players there that are on um, a nice contract. Uh, not Winston Bogard. He, he finally moved on. But, um, <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure he's not still there? <laughs> I think there's uh, players are on some nice contracts and, and maybe are concerned whether they would be able to get sort of a three or four year deal elsewhere. And, and as Jason rightly points out, I do think the the, the wing backs missing has been a, a huge miss for, for them. Um, very... Quite strange, I kind of think, to see Azpilicueta playing that right wing back instead of Rhys James. I don't know if Rhys James is maybe not 100% fitness and hasn't got the, you know, uh, uh, ability to go up and down the flank all game. But, uh, yeah, they definitely lose something without um, a Chilwell and and, uh, and Rhys James. And obviously, I think we can probably say the Lukaku-Tukul experiment hasn't been a success. Um I still think that maybe if you're not involved and you do fancy quite a juicy prize, you can still get Chelsea not to finish in the top four at 25 to 1. So essentially, lay Chelsea at 1.04 on the exchange. Nothing to do with on the pitch, but if they get liquidated before the end of the season, I don't
0: think that's a 25 to 1 shot. Wow. Well, we shall see if such cataclysmic events take place between now and the end of the season. Uh, Elsewhere in that top four race, by the way, we've got Tottenham, who face an incredibly difficult game as they go to Anfield on Saturday evening. But they did hold Liverpool to a 2-2 draw in the reverse fixture. Jason, Liverpool 1.47 on the exchange to take the win here. Of course, they're favourites and they should be. But Antonio Conte is a tough guy to overcome.
3: Yes, and the fact that you know Spurs had no game during the week as well—it's—it's it's just a massive thing, um, and that feeds in as well to like what Liverpool are achieving. Um, I spoke at the start of the season how you know winning one cup is positively related because you're obviously better than what the market rated you because you've won one cup, so you should be shorter for the next cup. But from about January onwards, when you're getting two-legged semi-finals in the League Cup, when you're going every round in the FA Cup, when you're playing two legs in the Champions League it's proven that it has an impact on the amount of points that you learn in the league. So I had a look at about 1800 league games from the FA Cup fifth round onwards and compared teams that had met the FA Cup semifinals versus teams that had not. And the difference versus the market closing price was 0.05 points per game. So over half a season, that's nearly a full point. It costs you. So, Liverpool have been flawless. They slipped up earlier in the season, as in the Bet Preston in the League Cup and then drew up Brighton. The Bet Leicester in the League Cup uh, lost to them then. Uh, The Bet Atletico in the Champions League and lost to West Ham. But from the start of January onwards, they drew 2-2 with Chelsea and they were 2-0 up. Brilliant in that game. And Kovacic scores a wonder goal, finished 2-2. But since January, it's negatively related how well you go in these Cups because it doesn't give you that weak rest that Spurs have but Liverpool have been absolutely flawless. And that's that's just an incredibly well-run club because it's got a squad that allows you to do that and the manager's making the best of that squad. So to even still be talking about a quadruple at like this, I, I can't emphasize how how incredible an achievement to this date that it is. But I would be concerned that that Liverpool price is just a bit short because Spurs have had that weak rest. Klopp spoke last week about how Newcastle caused them problems by... Essentially just playing long balls and then you have to go and fight and win it. If Spurs play any kind of long balls, it'll be it won't be a hit and hope long ball. And if Harry Kane has a quick scan behind him and gets the header and his son is in behind, perfect opportunity for Spurs to at least score in this game. So if you're looking for a bet for the match, Harry Kane is about six to one, seven to one first goal score. He is on penalties, obviously, but you'll get son at a bigger price, about ten to one to score first. If they just catch Liverpool a little bit cold, like Villarreal did during the week. But in terms of the quadruple, just to wrap it up, like, as it gets to the end of the season, it becomes positively related again, I believe, because if you look at United winning the treble, I think the fact that the Bet Spurs gave them confidence against Newcastle, the fact they done the double gave them confidence to stay going in the 90th minute against Bayern Munich, whereas a couple of years prior to that, they went away to West Ham, only drew and didn't win the league. And a week later, they got better but bet by everything in the cup. Whereas I think if they win the league that day, they win the FA Cup the following week. So it becomes positively related. So closer Liverpool get to it, the more the momentum and the fans will carry them to give that extra effort and get there. And um, So it's going to be a fantastic watch. Bookmakers, professionally, I'll be very worried. Personally, as a United <laughs> fan, I'm already Googling what's it like to live in the Australian outback for the next 10 years if it happens that's or the way the moon. <laughs> yeah or the moon yeah but it's going to be a fascinating watch but i think one of the biggest obstacles to have now they're roughly the same price slightly bigger than the R to beat spurs to win the effort cup to win the champions league this is as big a challenge if you are going to do the quad as those 2 cup co-finals fascinating watch but i just have a look at sun in the goal scorer markets if you're looking for a little bit of value
0: Uh, plenty of Liverpool fans in Australia so it might have to be the moon for Jason at the end of the season elsewhere in the Premier League Manchester United still on track to claim a Europa League spot for next season maybe Stinch they go to a Brighton side that's been playing pretty well recently and has decent results against the big sides
2: yeah definitely I feel like this is Hopefully, well, this is what I'm kind of envisaging—one of these like end-of-season, like kind of fun games where no, neither team's got a lot to play for, and the game will open up accordingly. Um, there's some really good data that uh, our colleague Mr. O'Hare has uh, tweeted out recently in terms of the the goal expectancy. So just to regurgitate that slightly. Um, so because we are at this stage of the season, some players play with more freedom cuz you know for example brighton are not worried about getting relegated so they'll play with a bit more of the handbrake off um, and there's some players if they're already on the beach particularly defenders and as a result of that we do see uh, an increase in the goal exp- in, the, in the average goal scored if you look at the premier league since 2014 15 the average goals is 2.73 but if you just look in the month of May, it goes up to 2.89, and that's the highest month of the season for goals. So that's the the kind of angle I'm I'm looking at here. Um, thought Man United would be stronger favourites to be honest. They're seven to five uh, away at Brighton, and an over 2.5 goals is is 10 to 11. Um, so kind of looking at both of those those angles really. Um, United have got. A very good record against Brighton. They've scored 20 goals in the last eight meetings. So tactically, they, they match up very well. And they've scored two or more in all of those games. And, and if you look at the, the odds United are, uh, and you compare it to teams that have been to Brighton recently in, in a similar level, okay, you'd say these teams are slightly better, but still United do possess world-class players. Spurs were 11-10 and Chelsea were 4-6. to 6. And you mentioned about Brighton's sort of sort of recent uh, run, but before that, they 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 couldn't even score. I think they went seven or eight games without without scoring a goal. Um, but that's Brighton, right? We we can't predict them. They're almost impossible to predict on a on a weekly basis. Um, what they're going to do? We know they play good football. Um, maybe if they had a, a more clinical striker we w- could be a bit more confident in in their process reaping the rewards that it kind of deserves so the bet i'm having a look here actually is united to score over 1.5 goals of 13 to 10. very similar to their win price but because i can't don't really know what brighton are going to do brighton could easily contribute to the scoreline here make it an entertaining game uh, but just don't know and obviously we know Uh, Man United have underperformed, underachieved for a long time, but as I say, they do possess uh, world-class players, and I always think that United are, despite what you see with your eyes, even before the game, you'd, you'd be concerned if you were opposing them when they're the underdog or when they're not strong favorites essentially because they have got Ronaldo they have got Bruno Fernandes that are capable of scoring something out of nothing kind of similar maybe a little bit to Son and Kane I know Spurs are a bit more well-rounded under Conte now but under Nuno still think still feel that yes maybe I don't really want to oppose Spurs when they're not fancied because they do have these players so seeing as Brighton have conceded two or more in eight of their last 12 games I just think trying to side with United at these prices, given the fact that both Chelsea and Spurs were a lot shorter, is maybe the, the way to go. Um, I don't want to read too much into Monday night, but I thought Man United played quite well against against Brentford. So what's going to happen now? They'll go to Brighton now Saturday evening and chuck in a, a horrible performance. <laughs> but I think at the prices, they're, they're worth attacking on a I think what's quite a tricky Premier League coupon, but I think if you can, where you can, side with goals in any league really that's uh, coming to the end of the season at at reasonable prices, I I think that's a, a good edge.
0: Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the Sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Burnley have found a bit of form since Mike Jackson replaced Sean Dyche as manager, as controversial a decision as that was. They take on beach dwellers Aston Villa on Saturday. Mark O'Hare, Burnley, the 3.15 outsiders here. That seems quite an attractive price, doesn't it?
1: Yes, I agree. And um, the reason why is I will give you the last three closing prices that Burnley have gone off at at Turf Moor, and their opposition. So they're three point one five against Aston Villa this weekend. They went off at two point five nine at home to Everton, two point seven at home to Southampton, and two point five seven at home to Wolves. Um, I would argue with anyone that any of those three teams are not significantly worse than Aston Villa, Bar Everton, really. Um, Would you bracket Villa in the same sort of uh, area as Southampton and Wolves? Probably. Um, Yeah. Burnley won all three of those matches. They generated 5.5 expected goals across those three games and they had 31 shots from inside the penalty area across those three games as well. And I think there's been a clear shift in mentality uh, and philosophy and approach under Mike Jackson to be more attack minded to get the ball down on the deck. Yes, get the ball forward quickly, but get it to key players, play a bit more football and just shoot whenever you get the opportunity and see what happens. And I think Burnley have, have um, obviously, I watched the game last week actually at Watford and I thought they played very well, particularly in the second half. And it wasn't just hit and hope. It was, you know, decent, good football with an idea and a plan to go and attack Watford. So yeah, I thought those prices compared to Aston Villa was, was quite surprising really. And um, The the market's had a bit of a love affair with Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa for for a while now. Um, They went off favourites away at Leicester a fortnight ago. They went off as favourites away at Wolves previously to that as well. You can kind of understand it with Leicester with them prioritising Europe, but the Wolves game was a bit strange. I feel this is probably more acceptable compared to those two games, but still it's kind of puzzling. And For me, Aston Villa feel like a team... I wouldn't say quite yet in transition, but they, for me, doesn't seem like to be a, a major sort of long-term plan at the minute about what they're doing with the team. We've had Watkins and Ings paired together and they've looked quite lively, but that's not happening often. We've had uh, a continual search for the right blend in midfield and, and balance defensively. I think there's doubts about the individuals playing there. Then the Coutinho and, and Buendia conundrum of, of do you play both? Do you play one or the other? Do you play neither? Quite um, Coutinho, once he gets shut down by opposition, you know Villa don't seem to have too many answers to do um, anything else with the ball really. And I I just think there's more questions than answers about Aston Villa right now. The reason why they're going off short prices though, which is quite a surprise, is the underlying numbers are actually quite positive about Aston Villa. So if you go over the last 12 and 16 game splits, in terms of expected goals process, Aston Villa are rated 6th just behind the the current top 5, which is quite surprising because with the eye test and, and results wise I just I just can't see it to be honest and I'm happy to kind of go against the, the underlying metrics here because motivational has to be considered this time of year and I think uh, a May trip to Turf Moor to play a Burnley team in, in a good vein of form who are going to make it difficult for you Uh, to Aston Villa fancy it you know you have to have a question about that they've already lost 10 of 17 away games this season they are actually only 6 points better off than Burnley in the league table Uh, and this is a Burnley team who have lost 6 times at home all season 4 of which were against the top 4 so Yeah, to go back to your introduction there, I think Burnley are a big price here and I'll be backing them plus a quarter goal on the Asian Handicap at 1.86. So we make a half-stakes profit if the game ends all square, a full-stakes profit if they win. And I'd keep an eye on that market as well because the way in which the market tends to like Villa recently, I wouldn't be a huge surprise to see a bit more money come for them before kickoff on Saturday. You might even be able to get a half-goal start on Burnley too.
0: It's the Roy Hodgson Classico on Saturday as Crystal Palace take on a rather wretched Watford side. Hodgson going back to Selhurst Park is like going back to a house that you absolutely love living in, only to see that the new owner has ripped out the kitchen, ripped out the bathroom and the living room and has decorated the place in a completely different style. Uh, Stinch, what's the angle here?
2: Yeah, Hodgson's had a nice week, hasn't he? Because didn't he go and collect his MBE uh, from the uh, from Buckingham Palace? So uh, yeah,
0: well deserved as well.
2: Yeah, Lovely he won skills. that uh, Swedish league right in nineteen seventy something. <laughs> so I'm sure. I'm assuming it was for that. Yeah. So um, again, coming He's had back, had a fine
0: career. Stage, <laughs> fine
2: career. Coming, <laughs> coming. In... Yeah, there was that g- good game against Iceland as well. Haven't they got like about hardly any inhabitants that could play for their country, and England have got however many million anyway (laughs) um yeah so coming back to my angle earlier regarding goals this was the uh, another game that stood out for me i thought with the over 2.5 so palace are priced up as four to six faves um, but the over 2.5 is at 10 to 11, so it's the outsider of the two. And I just thought, this, this is one that I can kind of get behind. Um, there's other games this weekend. So the Burnley game, Mark just mentioned, um, over 2.5 is evens. Um, but you wouldn't really want to be backing goals. When Burnley involved, involved, as a general rule, I would say, um, unless they continue this this good recent upturn, and then Chelsea v Wolves, for example, is five to six the pair, but Wolves seem to have forgotten how to score goals, and Chelsea very unpredictable, as we we mentioned. So this is the one I kind of landed upon. Um, Watford aren't actually down. I thought they must be by now, but they're not actually mathematically down. So I do think at some point they're going to need to attack in this game, um, and I don't. And I don't think it was any surprise really when Hodgson initially came in, they did have some low scoring games as he tried to, I guess, sort out the defence and give them a base to work from. Um, So I don't know if you remember, the first game was 0-0 away at Burnley. Um, They also picked up quite a fortuitous 0-0 at Old Trafford. But since then, the goals in their matches have have gone up as as how I feel. The desperation has increased, essentially. Uh, You look across the last 10 games, there's now been 34 goals. So, obviously, that's an average of 3.4 per game. And eight of those 10 have gone over 2.5. I was slightly concerned with Palace maybe meandering the rest of the season following their semi-final defeat. But I think Patrick Vieira has... Has not allowed that to happen really. It was a good result last week away at Southampton. Uh, I think Emmett tipped them up. So a nice win there. Um, so I feel like they're going to end the season on, on a high really. And I think we know they've they've got very good home support. So I think the fans will, will be well up for it. Um, and they beat Watford 4-1 in the reverse fixture in February. So I, I don't see... I see a similar sort of thing happening. I see Crystal Palace uh, probably winning. Um, but I don't see... I don't see Watford maybe not troubling Palace. I mean, Palace have only kept clean sheets in twenty nine percent of those games of their games this season, and when you consider two of those were against Man City, arguably that that number should be even shorter. So yeah, I like I like this game for overs. Um, and the other thing you mentioned is the sort of the Roy Hodgson Classico. I think Wolf Sahar's got a bit of uh, beef with uh, with Watford he's been booked seven times against them six and eleven in the Premier League now he's seven to two to be carded and he'll likely be up against uh, Kiko Femenia who's been booked in the last four head to head and he's four to one to be carded so I couldn't put anyone off backing either of those but I'm going to take it one step further and put them in a bet builder and back them both to be carded at a very juicy 26 to 1 that looks that looks enormous for what potentially
0: could just be one incident where they both scuffle with each other that mixes two of our favourite things on this show big prices and violence. Our fantastic Ackers <laughs> and Bet Builders offer is running every day. If you want to take advantage of what Stinch has just said, bet £10 on Ackers or Bet Builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply. Stinch, you wanted to mention the EFL playoffs, didn't you?
2: Yes, first leg on Thursday evening of Wickham v MK Don. So. Quickly uh, get on and get your bet on. Um, before Unless the match. you're
0: listening on Friday, Saturday, <laughs> in which case, sorry. Ah, ah okay. If <laughs> but that that's does happen,
2: no, no. If that does happen, I think you can place the same bet for the second leg, which is on Sunday. So, yeah. arguably, two bites of the cherry. Um so yeah, two chances to win basically. Yeah, I'm quite excited for the I mean I think I've been saying for a while, quite excited about the, the League One um conundrum. I think we've got four very good teams in the playoffs, uh Wickham, MK Don, Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday. And it's I had a go at trying to split them but I'm interested if, if Mark maybe has an opinion, but I thought it was really, really difficult. I mean, I think Sunderland v Sheffield Wednesday is arguably a, a playoff final in itself. I think those two legs could massively take out of both sides and they perhaps might not have much to give mentally, uh, whichever one makes the final. So I think maybe siding with uh, Wickham or MK Dons could be the way to go if you're looking for an outright pump. But I, I couldn't quite... Um, find myself pushing the button so again um, big game big jeopardy in my mind so I I looked at the player cards and I've picked out a couple that I think are are really really good Um, so I'm looking at uh, Anthony Stewart for Wickham to get booked He's got seven cards in 34 games this season, but if you look when he plays the better teams, he's got six in 15 against the top 10. So there's a clear skew there when they are facing better sides. And then i will also looking at uh, Harvey, the uh, wingback for MK Dons. He's their most carded player this season, 12 in 41. Um, and they both piqued my interest at, at the prices and then when I looked a little bit deeper they've actually been booked in both of the league meetings between these teams already this season so again it looks like there might be some uh, some beef between these players and and, uh, and the other opposition guys the the is Darren Bond he's averaging 38 booking points per game this season so just under four cards but I would be surprised if we don't see at least four cards in this game, given given the jeopardy. Uh, in his last match, he ref Swansea v Bournemouth, which was quite a big game in terms of promotion for the Championship, and he showed eight cards. So I think there's a lot to like there, and they're both to be carded as twenty-two to one. So if it doesn't if it doesn't cop on the Thursday, have another go on Sunday. I would suggest if you're getting anything similar in that price.
0: Wouldn't be unusual I to would, see Violet... Oh, go on, Mark. No,
1: i just mentioned as well that, um, it, you know, Wickham don't necessarily have a, a major sort of local rival, but this is a Buckinghamshire derby as well. And there is bad blood between the two teams because there's been a load of sort of petulant sort of toing and fro between the two clubs about away fans, ticket distributions for these two, te- two legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also quite... Um, unsavoury scenes and um, chants shall we say aimed at uh, Adiak and Fenway by the MK Dons fans earlier in the season so there is a lot of tension between the two clubs as well which I'm sure might boil over
0: onto the pitch at some point interesting stuff bit of beef there now it's time for the World famous podcast treble, a feature so revered that 90s band five were originally called Fivefold and used to sing and rap about multiples from the Vauxhall conference. But that original idea proved unsuccessful and was ditched in a vain bid to compete with the likes of S Club Seven and bewitched. How this works is that each of the three guys come up with a selection and our delightful traders, like Jason, wrap them up in a boosted treble. We won last weekend at eleven to two. So we hope to keep that going. Jason, seeing as we are blessed with your presence today, we are going to start with you.
3: Yeah, um hopefully you keep the run going, lads, because it's been incredible goal. Even though not on the pod I was listening every week and like lads are in unbelievable form at the moment. So hopefully this will keep the run going. Um, it's odds again, so it'll bump up the price of, of the AC a little bit. Um, it's Man City against Newcastle, then going both teams to score. it be about 23 to 20 on the sports book. Um, Man City, possibly still reeling from what happened on Wednesday night. Um, they're incredible. Man City play incredible football. Like the 20 minutes at home to Liverpool in the league game, the 20 minutes at home in the first leg against Real Madrid, some of the best football you've ever seen. But they do have what's proven to be the case with Pep's teams over these years. is almost like a boxer's weak jaw, as in they can be a fantastic fighter, but they get a sucker punch and then they get a flurry of punches after that and they're just on the floor and out. All we need Newcastle is just to land one punch here because fancy Man City to score. And the war threatening against Liverpool last week, Klopp spoke about how they just played long balls and you had to go and win the long balls. Man City, we don't know what their defence will be this weekend. They're obviously going to have injuries. I mean, Almiron almost got in behind Liverpool. Liverpool's so good at the offside trap. Not sure if City are as good. But even if you have like San Maximan going up against whoever's playing in the fullback positions, there's going to be opportunities here for Man City. So I think factoring it all in, both teams to score at odds against a 23-20, to I think is a good angle for Aniaka this weekend.
0: Nice juicy start. We're going to talk about that game in a bit more depth on Sunday's show as well. Stinch, I'll go with you next.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try and hit one of these um, over two and a half goals bet in the Premier League because, as, as I mentioned previously about the, the goal increase in, in the month of May, I'm going to go for over two and a half goals in Brentford v Southampton. It's it's chalked up as 50-50, so 17-20 to 20, the pair. Um, Southampton away defensively have been very, very porous for a long period of time going back over to the previous season. They conceded two or more goals in 70% of their away games. And Brentford, I think, have been, I like to think maybe Monday was a bit of a blip, um, but since Christian Erickson's arrived, they've looked a lot more um, cohesive um, going forward. They just seems to be he, linking the midfield and the attack really well. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with over two and a half goals in Brentford v Southampton.
0: And Mark O'Hare, take us home.
1: Um, Yeah, I'll I'll back Arsenal to beat Leeds on Sunday. Um, As we know, Leeds tend to toil against the elite teams of the Premier League, 10 defeats from 10 against the top six this season, conceding 42 goals and conceding over three expected goals per game on average uh, against that uh, uh, calibre of opposition, they're also coming into this game with key injuries, Liam Cooper injured in the warm-up last week, a massive blow, Stuart Dallas now out for the season, a huge blow, a very influential player, and Patrick Bamford is still sidelined as well, and it looks like Calvin Phillips is still working his way back to full fitness, judging by his recent performances and you know this is a great opportunity for Arsenal to continue their winning streak um, I expect them to get the job done.
0: Talk about that game on Sunday's show as well. But as for this edition of Football Only Better, we've reached the full-time whistle. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Every single Premier League game gets its own dedicated preview on our website, betting.betfair.com. We've got EFL as well and all of the major leagues. We've got Liga, Bundesliga, uh, La Liga and Serie A. From Jason, from Mark, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for next.